You know, my, my grandparents, they grew up in the Great Depression. And so the worst sin that you could ever make would be to let something go to waste. Um, my ma Jane, who, who Jane's named after, um, I, I never got in more trouble in my life than I, when I threw something away that could have been used or saved when I was over at her house. I, you know, you got in big, big trouble. So when you finish drinking out of a plastic cup, you don't throw it away. You put it back in the dishwasher, right? Uh, when you unwrap a stick of butter, you save the wrapping and you use it to grease the pan when you're cooking. Um, you're supposed to reuse grocery bags, rewash Ziploc bags, repurpose sour cream and Cool Whip containers for your leftovers, you know. There's nothing like opening up the country crock and finding mashed potatoes inside. <laughs> Had to guess what, what, what's in this one, what, you know, get all the leftovers out. But you don't let anything go to waste, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, this morning, uh, we continue our exploration through Mark's gospel and our sermon series, Mark My Words, and we witness this moment of wastefulness. My grandparents would be appalled uh, because we see a whole bottle of expensive perfume go to waste. Scripture lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. I invite you to stand as we hear God's word this morning. Jesus was at Bethany visiting the house of Simon who had a skin disease. During dinner, a woman came in with a vase made of alabaster and containing very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke open the vase and poured the perfume on his head. Some grew angry. They said to each other, why waste the perfume? This perfume could have been sold for almost a year's pay and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? She's done a good thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do something good for them. But you won't always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body ahead of time for burial. I tell you the truth, that wherever in the whole world the good news is announced, what she's done will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. During the last week of his life, Jesus is slumming it in the village of Bethany, a place which means house of the poor. It's remote. It's out in the countryside. It's just outside the walls, of the hustles and bustles of the holy city of Jerusalem. And you would think that Jesus might want to spend his final week with the social elite, uh, you know, dining on fine food and, and living into his role as Messiah, as the king. You would think that this being his last week, he would have more important things on his plate. He would have more important places to be, more important things to do. But yet again, Jesus is eating with sinners and outcasts, something that he does so often that the religious leaders have even taken notice, calling Jesus a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus has acquired this reputation because he is always breaking bread with the losers and the lowlifes. And now he is in the home of Simon, the leper in the house of the poor. And while Jesus and the other guests are all at the table, they're enjoying their meal, an unnamed woman suddenly crashes their dinner party. 
John's gospel identifies her as none other than Mary, but Mark's gospel keeps this woman unnamed, anonymous. She strolls into the room carrying this beautiful alabaster jar. It's delicate, it's fragile, it's possibly a family heirloom. In a place known as the poorhouse, there's no doubt that the guests in that room take notice of this beautiful jar. All eyes are, are, are on this mysterious woman and her alabaster vase as she walks straight up to Jesus without saying a word. I imagine all of the people in the room think, oh, she's going to give this vase, this jar, as a gift to Jesus, as a token of her adoration and appreciation and devotion, or as a donation to Jesus and his ministry. But that's not what she does. Instead, she lifts the jar high above her head and she throws it down on the ground and it crashes. This beautiful jar is completely destroyed. All that's left are these jagged shards of pottery scattered across the floor. And the contents of the jar are now revealed as the aroma of this fragrant perfume from the essence of nard. We all know what nard is, right? <laughs> nard is an oil uh, that comes from the root of the nard plant, which grows in the mountains of northern India. It's exotic. It's extravagant. It's not something that, you know, we can easily obtain. It's not like you can go to Walmart and pick up the bottle of nard by Calvin Klein, right? It's hard to get. And this perfume is probably more expensive than the alabaster jar that it came in. It's a precious Resource. It's one that's supposed to be savored. It's kind of like our perfume in, in cologne. Uh, you want to put a little dab on your wrist, a little spray on your neck. You don't dump a whole bottle of Chanel Number no. 5 on your head, right? And yet, this woman takes this fragrant oil and she pours it on top of Jesus' head. It, it drips down his hair, down his face, into his beard. It's a bizarre, strange thing to do. What is this woman doing? What is she thinking? But the truth is, this woman is performing a sacred act for Jesus. By anointing Jesus, she is acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah, which means, literally, the anointed one. She's pointing to Jesus as the King, as the Savior, as the Son of God. And perhaps the most interesting thing about this encounter is not so much the anointing itself as it is the person who is doing the anointing. Jesus isn't anointed by a prophet or a priest or a religious leader. He's not ordained in a castle or in a palace or in a sacred temple. Instead, Jesus is anointed by an ordinary woman in the house of a leper. She's anoint, he, Jesus is anointed in an unexpected way, in an unexpected place, and by an unexpected person. Now, I don't know if this, this woman truly understood the gravity of the situation. I don't know if she really understood exactly who Jesus is and what he's about to do, how he's about to go to the cross and save us, save the sins of the, of the world. I don't know if she truly understood everything that was going to take place. But she does understand enough to know that there's something special, there's something important about Jesus. The beauty of this moment 
is that this woman is expressing this outpouring of love and devotion. She has the audacity to be the one to perform this sacred, holy ceremony for Jesus. And she does it because of her love for Jesus, this outpouring that she just can't contain it. But you know, not everybody in the house approves of what this woman does. Some of the men at the table cry out in protest. Their objections ring throughout the room. Some of the disciples, they scold her. What a waste. That expensive perfume, that beautiful alabaster vase, you could have taken that and sold it and given the money to the poor. What a waste. And the thing is, these objectors kind of have a point. This woman has used up an entire jar of perfume, the equivalent of an entire year's wage. One scholar said that it could be the equivalent of about $36,000 today. It's a lot of money. That's a year's salary for a lot of people. An entire year's wage. Think about spending an entire year, year's worth of your salary on a bottle of perfume that you use one time. Think about that. This perfume really could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Isn't that what Jesus would have wanted after all? Throughout the scriptures, we see that Jesus loves the poor. He, he's always reaching out to the poor. He's always serving those who are the poor and powerless, the lost and the lonely. Throughout his ministry, Jesus eats with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. He feeds multitudes of people with two loaves. Uh, five loaves and two fish. He heals the lame, the blind, the sick, the diseased. He does all of that without ever asking for a cent in return. Jesus, his ministry is surrounded around the poor. He's constantly reaching out to the lost and the lonely, the hurting in the world. Therefore, giving the money to the poor, instead of using it on expensive perfume, is in keeping with all of Jesus' actions, with all of his teachings. And yet... Jesus defends the woman. Leave her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? She has done a good thing for me. You always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do something good for them. But you won't always have me. She's done what she could. She's anointed my body ahead of time for burial. I'll tell you the truth. Wherever in the whole world... The good news is announced. What she's done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus defends the woman. She's done a good thing. She's done what she could. But it's still interesting that Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. you know, some people take that to mean that Jesus doesn't care about the poor. Don't worry about them. You'll always have them around. There's not really much you can do about that. But I don't think that that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not suggesting that we should stop helping the poor and the needy. He's not neglecting the poor. But instead, he's simply giving attention to the moment at hand. He is preparing himself for his own burial. The anointing of Jesus ultimately points us not only to his anointing as king, but also his anointing for burial. 
And this woman takes this leap of faith. She listens to Jesus. She anoints him with this extravagant act of devotion. And the disciples see this woman's act as a waste, but Jesus sees it as a beautiful act of love. 20th century theologian Paul Tillich refers to this woman's act as a holy waste that flows from the abundant love of heart. Tillich goes on to write, Jesus knows that without the abundance of heart, nothing great can happen. He knows that calculating love is not love at all. The history of humankind is the history of men and women who wasted themselves and were not afraid to do so. They did not fear to waste themselves in the service of a new creation. They wasted out of the fullness of their hearts. This woman may have wasted an entire jar of perfume, but Paul Tillich tells us that it's a holy waste. You might call it a reckless love. It's an example of God's extravagant love that is poured out on us. It's an example of what God does for us each and every day. God comes to us in our sinfulness, in our brokenness, and pours out God's love upon each of us. And that love is not wasted on us, and it's not wasted on others. There is enough of God's grace to go around. And we might be tempted to think that that's not the case. We might be tempted to think that we have to be selective in, in sharing God's love, that we only have so much to give out. We might be tempted to think that we only have to love certain people that we like and that uh, we agree with. We might think that we only have to love people and, and that some people are just a lost cause. But God's abundant grace and love is for all people. God doesn't tell us to love everybody except the people you don't like. No. God says to love everyone, everyone, even your enemies. And as one scholar, Dr. Luther Smith, once said, if you don't have any enemies, then you don't know enough people. So go meet some people and go get some enemies, right? <laughs> but you're supposed to love all those people, even your enemies and so often we spend so much time doing just the opposite, don't we? Plotting our revenge, gossiping, jealousy. As Christians, I think we do a pretty good job of talking about God's love, but we're, we're supposed to show it. And that's, that's more difficult. But God's love is poured out on all of us, and it's our job... It's our number one job to share that love with others. We're invited to participate in extravagant acts of God's love. So how might we serve others? How might we embody the unnamed woman's act of service by pouring out God's love on others? Because we can't hold anything back. We are called to break open the alabaster jar, and pour out God's love and grace on one another. Some might call it a waste, but nothing is a waste when it comes to the love of Christ. Let us pray. Lavish God, you are a God that loves us indiscriminately, completely, fully, and recklessly. And we thank you for your extravagant love that has poured out on us like an expensive perfume. 
May your love permeate throughout our lives so that all people will know of your great love. Thank you for not picking favorites. Thank you for loving all of us. Thank you for offering your grace, even though we don't deserve it. May you embolden our faith and give us courage as we seek to love you and our neighbor as we love ourselves. And may it truly be a holy waste. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.